from the ESPN 690 and the Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Once again, here on ESPN 690, and the Urban Meyer situation has not died down, but I got a good backdrop at the very least, Austin Lane, uh, with the city of Jacksonville right behind me here at Timaquana Country Club, one of the best views in all of Northeast Florida um, at any golf course, but just in general. It's a great view on a good day. Right now we've got some cloudy skies, but you can still see it most likely. We'll have some planes flying overhead. Just a great setting here for Furick and Friends. Uh, the golf tournament begins on Friday, Champions Tour event, and uh, Pro-Am's going on today, and this is an awesome field. Phil Mickelson, Steve Stricker, Jim Furick, you name it, John Daly. you got all the names. Uh, all the names uh, for, for that have really uh, headed up golf for decades now uh, are here in uh, Northeast Florida to participate in Jim Furick's event. And uh, it's the inaugural one. It should be uh, a good one here at one of the best golf courses, uh, really, in the state of Florida, for sure. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. I don't know if I'll have to have my golf voice on the whole time here, Austin, so I probably won't do too much yelling. But uh, not a lot to yell about today, I guess, with the, on the Urban Meyer front. Uh, kind of the same repetitive stuff, apologies and all the rest. Uh, is that what you took out of today? Not too many new rele revelations. Yeah, I mean, I just think the fact that Trent Baalke knew about Urban, um, you know, staying behind, and he's known about that for a while um, in terms of the whole communication aspect about that, that was kind of a uh, another chapter, another wrinkle that was revealed today. But besides that, yeah, nothing crazy. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it just – I was a little surprised. I tweeted this out before Urban Meyer went to the podium today. I said, if I'm Urban, I'm, like, acknowledging that I met with the team because that had been reported. And then I'm kind of like, okay, I'm not going to talk too much more about this because I feel like he's only digging himself a hole. Now, I don't think he did that today. So I think the, he, he did okay at the podium. I don't think he created any more stirs. Last night on his uh, radio show or his weekly radio show, he did that. Um, a little bit by the context of some things that were tweeted, although if you go back and listen to some of the context of it, I don't really think it was as alarming. I mean, you have to kind of interpret things. Uh, but I went back and listened, and in the context of it, I think what he was trying to say there was, basically, it's up to the leadership if they're going to it, follow me, <laughs> you know, if they're going to acknowledge me as the leader of this football team and, and give me a chance to earn the respect back. I don't think that's kind of how it was. It, it shows up sometimes in tweets and other things, um, and it really got everybody kind of cooking again. So he avoided that kind of conflict today. Um, maybe this puts a bow on it. I don't know. I don't think credit is a good way to say it here. I'm not sure Urban Meyer deserves any credit for anything right now. Uh, but I do think at least he faced the music on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and answered all the questions with the media and didn't dodge every anything. I, I guess you can at least acknowledge that, Austin. Yeah, I mean, I think the question comes up, I mean, does some of the blame fall on Trent Baalke for allowing him to, you know, stay behind, if you will? Um, and maybe not consulting in the leadership committee. Now, maybe the leadership committee would have said, yeah, you're fine, don't worry about it. But maybe, like, take that into consideration as well in terms of some of your, some of your players. Yeah, it, well, and here we go, right? This is the fascinating part of this whole story, and it has been, and much of our attention has gone on not flying back and how it impacts a football team and how are they going to respond. But if you look at it from Urban's perspective, he is obviously... Uh, ashamed of what he did, embarrassed by what he did in that video, and that came out on Saturday. But meanwhile, we're a little bit more concerned with the other stuff. 
And uh, I find that kind of it. They're, not, they're two separate issues, right? Um, one's an embarrassing thing that happened, and it's kind of more personal and probably between him and his family, though it, it embarrasses the organization and his football team and the city and everything else, uh, which he apologized for. And then there's this other part of the not getting on the plane. Who knew? Do players care? Why is that so unprecedented? The bulky, if bulky knew, why didn't Shad Kondo? Uh, why wasn't this communicated? Those kind of things. And what, what we get to is how will this impact how they play on Sunday? And uh, that's really what we've been concerned with mostly all week. And you have to acknowledge the other part of it because it's how all of this has come about. Um, so I think, uh, I think you're right. I mean, uh, where is the communication? Um, why was that? Okay, hey, Bulky's been around the league for a long time, Austin, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, did he say, like, hey, that's kind of unusual, man, just to let you know. Like, I've been around the league for 20 years, and that's never happened. Or is Bulky that much of a puppet inside the building where it's like, okay, whatever you say, that's what goes. You know? Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, to me, this is this is another example, though, of just miscommunications because apparently Balky knew, Balky knew about it. Um, I'm not. Did Shad Khan know about it or not? Do it, we know that? He didn't say that in the. He okay. Didn't say so, that in his news conference. so we it, don't it, know that. We, we are under the impression that he did not. Okay, so he didn't know that. Obviously, you know, players didn't know. At least Jahad Ward, who was on your show, saying that he had no idea. So once again, we have an example of. A chain of communication being lost someplace and, and, and to me that that's an issue this has been an issue with this organization now for a long time since the the Tom Coughlin era since the Doug Marone era and you know we're still having these same conversations in different shades but still the same conversation nonetheless yeah um, and today his players started to talk again this is a work week now right uh, they got to get uh, you know they got to they got to win a football game, man. I mean they got to figure out like <laughs> they got to figure out how to beat the Titans, how to slow Derrick Henry down. And uh, I I tweeted this today too. I'm like, all right, enough with the apologies. How about the game plan? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I mean it's time to go. Like honestly, uh, this is almost feels like it's more in the rear view now. It, there's certainly going to be elements of this. How do they respond? How much do we refer back to it? All of that, but. It is kind of in the rear view. It's now a five-day-old story, really almost a week old if you go back to the flying on a plane. It really hit hot and heavy on Monday. So now we're talking 72 hours into this thing. It's now about how does this team react. Do you like what the players are saying coming out of it? Do you like what Urban Meyer said about, hey, players reached out to me. He feels like they got a re good response from everybody. Um, so far, what you're hearing uh, from the players and how they've responded to all this, do you think they can be focused and get ready for a football game? Um, you know, will they and, and can they is two different things to me. I mean, I think they can try their best to be focused. They can try their best to, to take on the Tennessee Titans as they should because through all this thing right now, you have a bunch of guys in that locker room that are 0-4. And you have a bunch of guys in that locker room where if they repeat the performance of last year, they're going to be out of, out of a job. It's simple. If you win one game, two games, even three games a season, there will be roster turnover. That's just what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a new regime or not. There's going to be roster turnover. So the guys in that locker room understand, like, hey, we have to win games here. We have to focus on Tennessee because we can't afford to start out 0-5. We can't go 0-5, 0-6, 0-7 because that's not good for us. That's not good for our careers. So, yeah, I think they're going to try their, their darndest to, to be focused and ready to play Tennessee. Now, whether that comes through in the play on Sunday – whether they're prepared in terms of scheme, in terms of uh, what they're going to face, that falls more on the coaches um, and in terms of the discipline. 
But I think the players are going to try because, well, if you don't, then you could be out of a job, uh, you know, in a, in a year and a half or something. Yeah, I mean, listen, I got to try to win the game. It's just a matter of if their focus has shifted somewhere else enough. I mean, I got to believe. I mean, these guys want to play football. They don't want to deal with all this stuff. I mean, we, we might look back. Like I said, I think Sunday's a huge game. I think it's massive how they play in that game. Now, they might play poorly in this game regardless of what happened over the last couple of days. But because of what happened over the last couple of days, how they play on Sunday now rings really true, and, and it's a big deal. Uh, I think if they come out flat and get lambasted and, and Derrick Henry runs all over them and Titans embarrass the Jags here at home again, uh, I think – I think Urban Meyer is going to really have a hard time leading the rest of the year. I think if they win the football game, they continue to show – well, first of all, if they win the game, then I think it's totally different. I think it's kind of, okay, we moved on, and now let's see how many we can win. But I also think even if they play well, can we see the signs of improvement? Do they stop the run in Derrick Henry? Uh, does Trevor Lawrence continue to take steps? If we see that kind of progression, then I'll be like, all right, this team's pretty strong. You know, this team's pretty – they got good leaders in there. They're, 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 they're on task. They're not going to get wrapped up in all this. This isn't going to derail the entire season as much as 0-4 probably already has derailed it. So there's a lot to be said about this football game. Um, and they want to play football. I mean, I get that. I, I just think performance matters. And uh, whether it has to directly do with these last couple of days or not, the performance in this game is magnified by what just went down in the last four or five days here in Jacksonville. That's reality, whether it has to do with it or not. You know what I mean? No, for sure. And, and to me, my, my concern goes out to the guys in that locker room right now and how they're going to perform. Because we talk about it saying, okay, in the past three games, they've shown improvement, which is true. And the players can come out there and say, hey, you know, every game we've improved, we've improved, and that's a positive, and that's what they can say to the media. But behind closed doors, there's frustration right now. You're 0-4. Like, I guarantee when those guys got back on the plane um, from Cincinnati, the first thing that they were talking about is, what was the decision to go for it on fourth down? Like, why did we run that kind of play? Like, that, that was some of the dialogue, some of the conversation that was on the plane. Not, well, hey, guys, you know, we got to be at Cincinnati on Thursday night. I mean, we played a good first half. We just got to finish. There's not a lot of positivity and moral victories in terms of the locker room. There is from the media perspective because we love to have a story to go on. But from the guys in that locker room, they're 0-4 right now. And when you look back on history, history ain't going to say, well, hey, when the Jaguars started 0-4, they showed improvement, so it's okay. No, you're 0-4 right now. And losing sucks in the NFL. So those players right now are desperate for a win. And when you keep losing and losing and losing, it starts to unravel where it's like, all right, what are we doing wrong? Are we not being led properly? Is it the play calling? Like, you start to point fingers. That's just human nature. So if we talk about a Tennessee Titans team coming into Jacksonville and they beat the brakes off the Jaguars like we've seen in the past, yeah, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing and there's going to be a lot of guys saying, well, what is up with this? Because we've worked too hard right now to go 0-5. And someone's got to shoulder that blame. Yeah, I would think so, too. You know what caught my attention today, uh, Austin? You know, this locker room might be strong. We have no idea. It might have good leadership, all of that stuff. But Ian Rappaport tweeted this morning about 45 minutes, half hour, 20 minutes, I don't know, right after basically the meeting. Uh, that he addressed the team, and he said uh, Urban Meyer addressed his full team today to express remorse, responsibility for his actions over the weekend. I don't think that's stunning news. I think that's it's not surprising news. But then uh, somebody, uh, the uh, Aditi Kinga Bawala from uh, NFL Network, I probably didn't say her name correctly, but I think everybody knows. She covers the Steelers a lot, I believe, um, as a beat reporter. Uh, she said, and quote tweeted that, said Urban Meyer already has 
has this uh, told his team this morning that he's always cared about two things his family uh, expressly identifying his wife of 37 years Shelly and his players and then said I embarrassed them both like I guess what I was curious about when that happened, if you've already got players texting their agent what was said or texting national reporters what was said, how strong is the locker room? Like, how locked in are they to really supporting Urban Meyer if you've already got a few guys within an hour of a meeting kind of expressively saying what was said in the meeting? Uh, the, it, it caught my attention a little bit, you know? Yeah, I mean, and by the way, nothing was wrong that was said. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he said that. I just thought that the mechanics of, wow, within an hour of the meeting, we've already got people inside the Jags building that were in that meeting kind of sharing what was said with national reporters. That, that seems a little kind of on the way to being toxic to me. No, absolutely, because it's a distraction, and it's affecting their preparation. So I think players right now um, are upset at the situation, and – once again, when you're 0-4, you, 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 know, you start pointing the finger a little bit, and you carry a big burden. And I think when players are flying back and then they're bummed and you just got embarrassed on Thursday Night Football and you see your coach a couple days later, you know, your head coach, supposed to be the leader, the culture setter, is in the bar doing his thing, yeah, the, the, there's going to be some frustration. There's going to be some questioning of where are your intentions because we're here in Jacksonville shouldering the blame. What are you doing right now? So I guarantee that type of dialogue has taken place. And I guarantee some of these leaks coming out with players saying what's going on is because of that frustration. All right. Well, there's always Trevor Lawrence now. And I, what I say is Trevor to save the day. He's been the voice of reason. He is the voice, in my opinion, of this franchise. He is the player of this franchise. I think the Jags have to uh, nurture this relationship with, with Trevor, unlike they've done with maybe any player in franchise history, certainly under Shad Khan and his ownership. I think community, I tweeted this late last night. Uh, I, I think the communication surrounding him, all this stuff has to be spot on and good with Trevor. Uh, because he is the most central figure since I've been here in Jacksonville. That goes all the way back to 2008. He is that important to flipping this organization around. Uh, let's hear from what Trevor Lawrence had to say uh, just about a half hour or so ago about his head coach and uh, the apologies that happened over the last few days. I think that was great. I thought, uh, I mean, I, I know a lot of the guys respected it, how he addressed us this morning. Um, and we've all had most of us have had you know separate conversations individual one-on-one -on -one conversations with him and um i think he's he's handled it well to this point obviously it's not an easy situation and um you don't want to be in this situation but i think he's done right by us and it was a good meeting this morning just up front with us apologized and um you know we're a team we're sticking together you know just because something something happens that puts a little stress on it that doesn't mean you just give up and you go go your separate ways like you figure it out and, and work through it so um, that's what we're doing, and I feel good about our team. Nothing's changed. Uh, we're still really tight, so uh, we're just looking forward to playing the Titans this weekend and getting back on track. Well, you figure Tr Trevor is such a—he's again, he turned 22 years old today, but he's so mature, and he kind of knew that, that he knows his voice is important. Uh, here's what he said about uh, Urban Meyer still being our coach, and we're going to have the support for him. We had like a half-day Monday. <laughs> we were off yesterday, and then obviously today we were kind of back full speed, so— um, I think everything's been right on schedule like, like normal. I think we've operated well. Um, at the end of the day, I can speak for myself for sure, and I think, or I know most of the team feels this way. He's still, he's still my head coach. I still respect him, regardless of, of what happens. Uh, like I said, we're a team, and we're figuring it out. So, um, yeah, we're all, we're all good. We had a great day of practice today, and we're all still working.
Uh, that is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, more to come from Trevor in just a moment. But, Austin, I want to ask you that because if, if a player in the locker room has an indiscretion of some kind, uh, I think you hear this kind of support as well, right? Like, hey, I got his back. That's my teammate. He made a mistake. People make mistakes. You know, uh, we don't get this circumstance a lot where it's the coach. But do you think from a – if you were in that locker room, is it a similar thing as if maybe one of your defensive linemen – uh, got something happen, and you'd support them as they try to rally from it? Do you think you'd do the same as uh, for the head coach or for a coach in, in any uh, situation? I mean, yeah, you have to at this point. You're, you're Trevor Lawrence. You're the face of the franchise. You're trying to keep this thing afloat as much as you can. So he has to come out there and kind of, I don't want to call them generic because they're from the heart, but he has to come out there and kind of just give – you know, the, the the plain vanilla, hey, yeah, we, we follow our coach and we got his back. But, I mean, I, and this is the first time I'm hearing um, of some of that audio. I'm very surprised, though, at the end, what he said in terms of most of his teammates are believing in Urban Meyer. Yeah, I saw that. I heard that, like, too. That's, uh, he said, that's huge. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if he said, now, again, you got to be really careful. If you, if you follow up and ask that, did he mean because he hasn't talked to every teammate? You know, like, I mean, it's 53 guys. He might not have talked to everybody. Or he might be getting some feedback. That's like, hey, we're not on board with this. And so they have to kind of rectify that, remedy that, and, and see if they can get everybody on board. Uh, two more I want to play you from, from uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, which just happened in the last half hour. Uh, and I want to set this one up. I, a lot of people took offense to Urban Meyer on Monday bringing Trevor into it about the bachelor party. About he said when he, he tried to use it as an example like, hey, this, I just did something that's like a double standard, basically, because I tell those guys when they go somewhere to be careful. I, I told Trevor when he went to his bachelor party to be careful. Uh, this has gained some steam over the last couple of days. I'm going to be honest with you, Austin. It didn't catch my attention as something like, wow, I can't believe he said that or did that. But it certainly has rubbed people the wrong way. How did, what was your reaction to that when you heard Urban say that on Monday? Um, I mean, I, I didn't really feel any type of way about it. I mean, I assume that Trevor's now wife knew that he was going to Las Vegas. I think, like, he posted on social media, so everybody was aware of it. It was just an example of Urban Meyer trying to say, you know, I'm not practicing what I'm preaching right now. Yeah, so it kind of yeah. puts Urban Meyer more in a negative light. You know, it's kind of self-deprecating, if you will. Um I mean, I, I didn't have an issue of him using Trevor Lawrence as just an example. I mean, you know, he, he could use anybody as an example. It wouldn't really bother me too much. Yeah, I, I didn't either. That's why I thought I was a little surprised everybody else did. Maybe you could spin it as, hey, he's trying to hide behind this clean-cut guy at Trevor Lawrence. Anytime I bring up Trevor Lawrence, everything's okay. I guess you could spin it that way. Well, here's Trevor talking about it uh, this afternoon as he was mentioned on Monday. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I didn't really have a reaction. I mean, it, is what it is. I think his intentions were to were to say, you know, he always encourages his players to be smart and, you know, handle things a certain way, which I did on that trip, you know. Um, <laughs> everything was smooth, so um, nothing, nothing. I don't have a, any reason to feel any type of way from, on my on my side, so it's all good. Um, I think that's what he was getting at, but obviously um, tough situation right now, so I think he was just talking through some of the stuff and uh, it came up, but I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about it. Uh, you know, and again, I, that didn't red flag me either. I thought that part was pretty interesting. Let me give you one more, okay? And this is the one that we 
we have gone back. We think this is a bigger deal than maybe even Urban thinks it is. Maybe Urban just doesn't didn't realize at the time that it was as big a deal. But what did it say um, for the weekend and everything else to not fly back with the team? Here's uh, Trevor Lawrence when asked about Urban uh, not getting on the plane on Thursday night. Remember, some players didn't even know that he didn't get on the plane and fly back with the team, which, which if you – I know not everybody's flown with the team before, but it, that's easily done. Like, if a player, you get on first, you have no idea who's boarding the plane. I mean, that, that's happened uh, uh, for everybody, probably. But here's uh, Trevor Lawrence on it this afternoon. Uh, I didn't know. I had no idea. I mean, you don't really think about those things. You know, the, the plane is, is huge that we're on. So you don't really think about or even care about that stuff right after the game. You're getting on, doing your own thing, talking to teammates about the game, watching tape, all that. So you don't really think about that. I mean, I feel like at this point we've all addressed everything. Everyone knows the situation, the details. Um, it is what it is. Like I said, I, I'm still going to respect him. He's, he's our coach. I um, still believe in him. This, this team does. And we're, we're, we're moving on to playing the Titans. And um, everyone kind of knows everything already. So there's really no more questions, I don't think, to be answered about it. Well, there you go, and that was Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, Casey kind of said, uh, Casey, you saw the video, right? Let me bring you in there because uh, I was getting set up for the show and we were listening to this, but that was kind of like a little bit of a, okay, enough questions, enough. We're going to move on to tit the Titans. That's what I thought we might get from Urban. We kind of got that from Trevor. Is that what, how you interpreted that a little bit, Casey? Yeah, that clip there was, uh, it was the last question that they, well, they tried to ask about that, and that was probably six or so five or so minutes in like it was the last one he said so yeah i mean up to that point they had not asked him anything about football um except for his birthday they did ask him about that off the top which was cool yeah. um but yeah he was he was visibly at least kind of like all right can we talk about football because that's what i do um interesting note right after this literally a question went by the next question that was asked was right after was this exact question i don't know who asked it but it's like he asked the same question, and there's no clip to cut for it, but Trevor looked at him and was like, yeah, he just asked that, and he okay. was not happy about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not big on – listen, people have to ask questions. I know we all get um, – uh, sometimes these pressers are now all available for everybody, and so when you ask them questions, people be like, that's a dumb question. That's a stupid question. I can't believe you asked that question. Well, everybody's got to ask the questions. So, and they were there, and I wasn't there to ask questions, so um, I'm not going to criticize people for asking, uh, but I thought that Urban Meyer – would do that a little bit earlier today, kind of what Trevor did. It's like, okay, I'll take a couple of these, and then I'm off. Uh, you know, to, to Urban's, again, I don't want to give him credit in any of the situation. I just think at least he faced the music as many times as people asked it. Trevor uh, said, all right, it's time to turn the page. And, and Austin, as we hit the break, I mean, that's Trevor Lawrence right now in this organization. He is kind of the voice. If he says it's time to turn the page, it's time to turn the page, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, but, I mean, at the same time, this is the world that we live in, you know? Like, um, I think if you're in New York, this is happening to you, it would be a lot worse, and you'd probably be a lot more frustrated. So, yeah, props to, you know, Trevor Lawrence for being, uh, you know, wise beyond his years for handling this thing like he's a 10-year a veteran in the NFL. It's just yeah. uh, it's a shame that a, a rookie quarterback going into his, what, his fifth game now um, has to deal with this at all in the first place. Yeah, he's been put in a pretty tough spot, but uh, fortunately, it feels like Trevor Lawrence is uh, okay to deal with it and handle it and see if he plays better, continues to play good football on uh, Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about this golf tournament coming up, too. Furyk and friends at Timaquana Country Club. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, you can see the video and what a backdrop we have right here in Jacksonville for this event, uh, the inaugural event for uh, Jim and Tabitha Furyk.
And uh, Tabitha will join us next, talk more about it when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Absolutely. Uh, you, you look, there's, there's, I try to find the bright spots to talk to our team about. And you look, and the reality is that the Cardinals are one of the best teams in the NFL. They're undefeated. Uh, they're playing at a high level. There's at one point we had them, we should have been up. Uh, 21 to 10 and playing it, you know, playing hard for our home crowd. And, and then the second half, you know, it, it's, it, I'm looking at conditioning, but I don't believe it is. I'm looking at uh, mental errors. That's what I'm seeing. That's Urban Meyer talking about football. Thankfully, football. We'll get back to the football side of it with the Titans and the Jags coming to town on Sunday, but it's not the only big event uh, here in town on Sunday. In fact, uh, there's this. Uh, Jim Furyk event that we're here at Timaquana Country Club for, and right now we're joined by Jim's wife, Tabitha Furyk, because it's really a Jim and Tabitha Furyk event. Uh, <laughs> rightfully so, you have your name on this thing. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great. Good to be here. Yeah, good to uh, be here with you, and thanks for having us. And, well, we talked about these festivities, I feel like, for a while. Uh, how's it going? Is it coming together the way you play it? It really is. I feel like uh, we kicked it off Monday with a pro-am, had a great day, a great group, um, almost like a great trial run, right, first day. And then um, actually on Sunday, had Operation Shower, charity event. And uh, yesterday, the pairings party down at TIAA Field and uh, great concert with Darius at, at Daly's Place. So, uh, yeah, we're off to a great start and um, looking forward to Friday with everything kicking off. Do you feel like you're, like, planning a wedding or... <laughs> Something. A lot of weddings. <laughs> I feel like there's multiple weddings each day. It's a cool-looking trophy if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, I know you watch a lot of things on Twitch, yes. Tabitha. There you go, <laughs> P-Witch. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, there's the uh, Constellation Furyk and Friends 2021 Champion Trophy. The trophy's important. It is, and uh, anybody that is watching, you're the first person to see it. Actually, some of our tournament staff <laughs> hasn't even seen the trophy. Really? Yet, so we just got it. Oh, yep. Wow, so that's there awesome. There you go. Uh, what's you're the inspiration? The so inspiration, um, Constellation Furyk and Friends, the Furyk and Friends event that we used to run for 10 years. Um, the guitar was our yeah. kind of trademark with the pin flag there. Uh, so we decided to kind of incorporate that, and you'll see the city skyline there of Jacksonville along the bottom. Um, so just kind of pulling all together. You know, we want people to know, especially when they come out to this tournament, it's not just about golf. I mean, it's going to be a great event, but the, the music component, the food, the fun, the really just getting out there and, and enjoying each other's company is what this is all about. Well, and uh, how much of a family event is this or a wives event or significant other event that we say <laughs> well John Daly's <laughs> yes, she might yes. be calling in actually yes exactly <laughs> uh, yeah Anna's here listening to uh, listening to this she's pretty excited actually she walked the entire program today and has intention of doing that tomorrow so she got to experience today we had uh, El Jefe out there bearded pig uh, pussers came out so uh, awesome. great cocktails and food and um, yep but they enjoyed it as well because we talked this the field's awesome I mean, it's absolutely terrific, obviously, and Jim's humble enough uh, to, to probably not say it as much as he should, but it just goes to show you how respected on tour he is, how respected you guys are as a family to be able to pull this kind of field in and include, I mean, a couple of weeks after the Ryder Cup to have Steve Stricker here and Padraig Harrington, sure. and uh, and they knew that, by the way, going in. One was going to win, one was going to lose, right, right, right. and um, then also to, obviously, guys like John Daly, guys like Phil Mickelson. I mean, names that really everybody knows. Yeah. I mean, it's... That's tremendous, but it's going to mean a lot to the heart for you guys to, to 100%. have them I here. Mean, yes, so, um, you know, we didn't put a lot of hardcore asks out there. We just uh, let everybody know what we were doing. And so, yeah, to have such a strong field, 
such a great turnout. Um, we're really blessed to have such great friends. What goes on for you now? I mean, you kind of, the hay's never in the barn on something like this, but can you enjoy it at all? <laughs> You know, I hope I hope so. <laughs> we still have a couple more days of uh, some pro-ams and some dinner functions and things that are going on. But I truly hope to be out there on Friday, walking around, watching Jim play golf like I would any other uh, any other week, and um, really shaking hands with uh, the sponsors and uh, the folks that come, spectators that come out, and uh, thanking them for being out there and helping us make a difference with charity in the Jacksonville community. Uh, Tabitha Furick with us uh, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're at Tim Aquana Country Club. If you get a look at uh, Twitter. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Like I said, you can see the video right behind us, the trophy, but also uh, downtown Jacksonville. And you guys have been really, uh, again, I know home isn't here like way back native-wise, but home is here. You guys have been here so long and given so much back to the community. Uh, and when we came for the media day, I remember Jim and, and yourself really punching home the fact that showing off downtown Jacksonville, the city of Jacksonville, not just the beaches and, and everything else that everyone kind of knows from TPC sure. Sawgrass and Ponte Vedra. Uh, this is important to you, right? It really is. You know, we lived in Ponte Vedra for, I hate to say it, uh, 20 years, and we moved over here, and we've been about three years now in San Marco area, and really just blown away by the passion of the people of Jacksonville and those that have grown up here and just how proud they are of the city and just the potential that we have and the opportunity to share that you know like living in Ponte Vedra the opportunity to take a water taxi down the St. John's River yeah. like just didn't happen and so that was important to me to bring that to folks so that they could experience that and really the national attention with the Golf Channel being here and um, we just really want to do everything that we can to make this the best city that it can be because we're pretty proud of it. Yeah uh, well you guys have certainly been uh, great ambassadors for the city of Jacksonville continue to be this week you mentioned the water taxi I think it's really cool I was trying to find a way how I could do my show on <laughs> the water taxi going back and forth. I don't know if I'm going to pull that off. Maybe next year. Maybe I'll put it on uh, for, for something for next year. But the water taxi, tell people about it because it's pretty neat. And it, uh, I don't know the complete forecast, but especially if the weather holds, it could be fascinating. It really is. So um, where we have it departing from is over at the YMCA um, downtown, that area, and next to Haskell. So we have the Haskell parking garage and all the parking um, right there at the Y across from, uh, you know, all those great restaurants and that at University Plaza. So yeah, you park there for free. You need to go to the website, www.constellationfuricandfriends.com, and you can download a free parking pass to park there. Hop on the water taxi. Um, Circle K is our sponsor, and so they are also, there'll be a, a, a bar set up on the dock there, so you can grab some cocktails. There'll actually be bars on the boats, and it's about a 20-minute boat ride just right along the river, and um, really nice. It pulls right up to the dock at Tim Aquana Country Club, which is pretty amazing, and you there you are you're at the tournament so i think it's a great opportunity it's a free water taxi um and circle k is sponsoring that for us to make that possible so uh definitely worthwhile i plan on doing it at least one day myself as well uh, good <laughs> stuff it should it should be really a cool part of this and make it yeah. different right people yeah. will remember that that'll be a memorable thing Absolutely. Uh, for people to come on over to all right last question okay. do you know um obviously jim's play yes I always wondered, like, do you want to win your own event, or are you just like, hey, cool, I'm going to play, and let me take care of everything else. Let me just go kind of have fun. Now, he's a competitor. I get it, uh -huh. but you know him better than anybody. Does he really, like, want to win that thing? 
this weekend? There is no doubt in my mind. That man is not teeing it up to do anything but win a trophy at the end. So, uh, you know, being that this is uh, his home course, he's excited to uh, get out there. I know he played well in the Monday Pro-Am. I've heard positive things about his game coming into this. So, uh, oh, yeah. No, he's going to be chasing these guys down. Awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. Tabitha Furyk, have a great week. Uh, fantastic job already just getting it off the ground. We appreciate taking a few minutes. No problem. Thanks uh, a lot. Tabitha Furyk, Furyk and Friends. Uh, of course, you can watch on the Golf Channel. You can watch it right here, though. Come on out to Timaquana Country Club Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, it would be a big weekend in Jacksonville. Have uh, 54 holes of fantastic golf with all the names you know. And maybe even a Jags win across the river <laughs> against the uh, Titans, too. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I was talking to Shaq about that, Shaq Griffin today about that, and that's you gotta you gotta plan as if they're playing. You know, the, it's like uh, going up the bat and expecting a curveball, and they throw you a fastball. So you you expect a fastball and uh, react to the curveball. That's Urban Meyer talking about the football game, and as we try to talk about this football game now, uh, let's do it. Brent Martineau here at Timaquana Country Club, Furick and Friends. Uh, and Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jacks studios. Got a golf tournament later this weekend. Could be a big weekend in Jacksonville. Jags play Sunday at home against the Titans in what seems to be a very important game, I think, uh, on a lot of different levels. But uh, can they win the game? Uh, the Jets just beat the Titans, Austin. Uh, can the Jags, let's take all this other nonsense stuff out of the way and just take the way they've been playing, can they beat the Titans? Um, I mean, anything can happen on a Sunday. You know, it's that old cliche, any given Sunday. Um, at the same time, though, I think when the Jets met the Titans, you were looking at a team in Tennessee that was at minimal capacity at best. Um, when they're out, their two best wide receivers, and I get it, they're a run-first team, but still, when, when you lose your two best wide receivers by a long shot, by the way, uh, there's going to be issues. It's going to make you one-dimensional uh, in, the, in the offensive game, and it definitely was, as Derrick Henry was getting his touches. I think with A.J. Brown returning to practice today, it's being reported right now, I believe, and Julio Jones are still waiting to hear from. Um, you're going to see an offense that's going to try to redeem themselves from New York. So I think you're going to see a lot better Tennessee Titans team than what you saw against New York. So can they win? Yeah. Um, is it going to be hard? You better believe it. Yeah, and, and does the does the firepower on the outside scare you, or is it still got to be Derrick Henry? It's like whatever. If they beat you on the outside, they beat you. But we got to stop Derrick Henry because that's been an impossible task for not only the Jags, by the way, for a lot of people over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, obviously Derrick Henry is the number one priority. I guarantee Joe Cullen um, is, is you know pulling out his hair right now, trying to just get across how important it is to stop Derrick Henry. Um, to me, it reminds me a lot of. And I forgot, this might have been 2011 or 2000, I think 2011, when we played um, the Cleveland Browns back when they had, and I can't remember the guy's name now, it's going to show you where I'm at, the the Browns running back was on the cover the, of Madden. The guy that was on the cover? Uh, Payne yeah. Hillis. Thank you very Hillis. much. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, I mean, that that was <laughs> like, literally, we, we woke up and like, we thought about Payne Hillis. We went to bed and it's, yeah, stop Payne Hillis. Like that. 
that goal was driven home so hard in us for that game week that, you know, it, it was the only option. And truth be told, we did stop him. I think he only had like 40-something yards rushing. So we did a pretty good job against Peyton Hills. I can't remember if he won that game or lost the game. Probably lost the game, I assume. <laughs> but um, that's going yes. to be the, the same uh, point driven with, with Derrick Henry. And, and Joe Cullen has history going against him. You saw what the defensive line that he was coaching with last year in Baltimore did against Derrick Henry. Uh, a, a pretty good job, all things considered, in the playoffs. And you're, you're going to see that, uh, hopefully, that performance again. What makes you nervous, though, obviously, is the passing game, which Tennessee is more than capable of. I know Ryan Tannehill right now is kind of getting a bad rap. Um, I understand A.J. Br uh, AJ Brown hasn't had even close to a, a decent uh, season yet. But if he's coming back, um, you have a tight end, Anthony Fersker, who when he catches the ball, because I was watching the, that Jets game and he was having some problems, but when he catches the ball, can definitely be um, a weapon for them, especially against the Jaguars defense right now that hasn't really had an answer against too many tight ends. And, you know, if you a guy like Josh Reynolds who, say, Julio doesn't play, I mean, he's serviceable. And right now you feel like serviceable guys can give this defense problems on the passing end of things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried. I'm not sort of much worried about Derrick Henry in terms of the game plan to stop him. I think Joe Cullen has that kind of under wraps. But I am worried about the secondary, the play action, um, you know, and the misdirection because this team on defense has struggled with that all season so far. Yeah, they have, uh, they, and that's been a constant thing. Uh, you know, it's very interesting to me, the game plan for the Tennessee Titans. They want to ride with Derrick Henry, but the way to beat the Jags right now is to throw the football. And it, I think they're giving up 312 a game, and that's third worst in the NFL. And so if that's the way to beat them, is that how you attack them? And don't worry as much as you normally would about Derrick Henry. Now, you're still going to feed him the ball. But I think this is really interesting from a Tennessee standpoint. Sometimes you can outsmart yourself with a game plan, Austin. Is this one of those situations where maybe Tennessee does? Um, I don't know, because you could say the same thing about Cincinnati in the beginning. And then they had no problem passing the ball. When you had Joe Mixon, when, you know, your, your identity was running with him. And they came out throwing, and they didn't have any problems. So... I mean, yeah, you could definitely out-trick yourself. I, I, I think truly they will rely on Derrick Henry in the beginning, kind of test the waters a little bit. And that's the thing as well, is that as far as the temperatures are concerned, like, I, I don't see Tennessee wilting in the fourth quarter. So whether they play smash-mouth football um, and then try to take the, you know, this team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, into deep waters by the third, fourth quarter with Derrick Henry, I mean, that's, that's how the Titans have won. It's been not so much Derrick Henry in the first half. It's been Derrick Henry in the third and especially the fourth quarter when defensive lines are getting gassed, when linebackers are, are making mental mistakes because of fatigue. That's where the Tennessee Titans beat you. Now, I have no idea in terms of conditioning and cardio where this Jacksonville Jaguars team is at. But if it is going to be a heavy dose of Derrick Henry, which it probably will be, they got to be ready to go for the third and fourth quarter as well. Yeah, I mean, because I say that, I mean, Derrick Henry's getting like 30-something touches a game. I mean, Joe Mixon wasn't getting that. I mean, he's getting 15 more touches a game than Joe Mixon. So to see Joe Burrow come out and throw it with their wideouts, like that doesn't surprise me. Um, to but, see how Tennessee yeah. treats it might be an interesting thing to watch. But you don't think if Julio Jones plays and A.J. Brown plays, you'll be surprised if they, if they air it out? I do. I would still be surprised if they come out of the gates and what was it, six straight passes. And really, for the most part, outside of the one drive, 
Do you know? Do you have the numbers, Casey? Maybe you can bring up the numbers on on Mixon. And I understand he got hurt a little bit later in that game, so that might even been a part of it. And he got going a little bit in that third quarter drive. I think it was like made it 14 to 14. But yeah, I, I don't. I think it's a little bit different. I, I think Burrow. It, they feel comfortable with him throwing it and throwing it and throwing it and throwing it to those guys. I'm not saying Tannehill's not comfortable, but we know it all centers around Derrick Henry. And so it's just interesting where, let's just say the Jags want to stop the run, right? That's what they do. I think that's an important game for the Jags to stop the run. If they give up another 320 in the passing game, honestly, man, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they're not very good against the pass. Now, we could debate can they rush the passer a little bit because the Jets got to Tannehill seven times last week. But I think the biggest thing for the Jags defense is say, hey, if we can control Derrick Henry, we've kind of done what we said we were going to do and what we think we're good at. The question is, if they stop that initially, does Tennessee say, okay, see you, Derrick. We might hit you in a screen pass here or there, but we're going to go to the outside and try to attack these corners. Well, I think that could – that's almost playing into the hands of, of somebody, I think, uh, even though the Jags are weak against it. Because if you don't have to tackle Derrick Henry 35 times, that helps you out. Sure, but also if I'm an offensive coordinator and I'm trying to create a game plan of how do I beat the Jacksonville Jaguars or any team in general, I try to attack them where they're they're the most vulnerable. And right now they're by far the most vulnerable on the inside in terms of tight ends and in terms of slot receivers. Well, I have a guy in A.J. Brown who predominantly plays the slot. Now he plays on the outside as well, but I can put him in the slot. He's capable. If it was me... And I was trying to game plan for, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I would probably come out the first series and definitely with Derrick Henry because I do have to set some type of some sort of tempo, and I want to see where this Jaguars defensive line is at and, and, and how they feel. But after that, I'm going A.J. Brown in the slot all day until somebody stops it because they couldn't stop Tyler Boyd, and A.J. Brown is by far a better receiver than, than, than Tyler Boyd is. So I'm, I'm going back there until they stop it because at the same time, you have a guy in A.J. Brown who has to get going. Like, if you're the Tennessee Titans, if you're Vrabel, it's imperative that you get confidence in your young stars. And A.J. Brown is one of those guys. And if they want to make a playoff run, I get it. You need Derrick Henry. He's going to have to carry the workload. But you also need a balanced attack. And you're going to need Ryan Tannehill and his receiving core to gain confidence as well to make a run. And A.J. Brown comes in there and can help with that as well. And we'll see with Julio Jones. Yeah, listen, I don't disagree with that. I just think it could put them in an interesting spot if you throw the ball. The weakness is throwing the ball. That's you attack the weakness, hopefully, and, and if you're any team. And I think that's what Tennessee would do but if Tennessee on Sunday night Monday morning the headline reads they lost this football game do we ask the question did they give it to Derrick Henry enough if they won the football game well then you might say if you're you're in Tennessee hey they finally gave Derrick a little bit of a rest it's a long year he's been getting a ton of touches you know so it could be advantageous for Titans to throw the football thinking long term down the now listen it doesn't seem like Derrick Henry gets worn out but the bottom line is getting 35 touches a game you're in the cold tub a couple times that week, right? <laughs> no, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Joe makes it 16 for 67, by the way. Yeah, so 16. So they obviously didn't – they gave it to him enough. And, again, that one drive they really did. Got the fighter jets going by. Nice. Uh, if you could probably hear it amidst the raindrops uh, here at Timbuktu Country Club. But, yeah, I don't – again, let's just say this. If they give it to Derrick Henry 16 times – they might win the game, but that's not their game. Like, they want to give it to Derrick Henry way more than 16 times. Uh, that's, I guess, the point, and it really just depends how the Jags play. 
you got to hope Austin. You got to hope Herndon plays better in week two, right? For him, and and then Tyson Campbell somewhere along the way is going to have to improve. I think he's given up the most yards out of any corner in the NFL. Yeah, there's got to be a lot of improvements in the secondary. Um, there's going to have to be improvements in terms of who's ever rushing the quarterback. If Ryan Tannehill does give you opportunities um, in the passing game, you take advantage of him and try to get him down. Um, you know, this offensive line has been worked a little bit in terms of giving up quarterback sacks. So, yeah, it, it's got to be uh, some complimentary football for sure. But obviously, pri- uh, objective number one, the primary focus has to be stopping Derrick Henry and then worry about everything else from there. Hey, we talk some more Trevor Lawrence when we come back. Also, one player on defense that I think is playing well. I want to ask you, Austin, if you agree. Uh, plus, Stephon Gilmore traded away for a six-round pick in 2023. Uh, were the Jags interested? Should they have been interested? Uh, how does that all work? Uh, that was a story earlier today. We revisit it when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 Live at the and Friends Golf Tournament this weekend here at Timaquana Country Club. Play starts Friday. The festivities already underway.